0: took a, <clears throat> a little break there and greeting felt like there was a few fears that i wanted to quickly address cuz i think maybe there'd be a possibility that somebody had maybe didn't want to speak this out or maybe um, it was just hidden for a moment but the fear of forgiving fear of forgiving, the fear of being alone, the fear of letting go, fear of waiting for God, fear of future, the fear of death. Lord, as I speak those things out, Lord, I don't speak them out to give them strength. I speak them out to bring them into the light of who we are. Jesus, dispatch those fears. Replace them, Lord, with the confidence of who we are in you today. In Jesus' name. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Good. Kind of quiet. Well, Jesse can turn me up back there. Um, we started a, a series a couple weeks ago on um, Christian light, or the light of Christ. And and for those of you that have been here, you know what I've been talking about, but just in case there are people here that that don't know then I'm just going to review this real quickly that um I don't I don't believe that the Bible teaches in a diet Christian a light version and um so we were talking about that that out of Ephesians 6:12 um the series kind of got birthed in, in my heart, and, and there's still a long ways to go, and I, I love the fact last night that uh, out of the blue I got a text from one of my pastors, and many of you, many of you know Pastor Dick Remington and, and his wife Marguerite, and um, he doesn't often text me uh, as late as he did last night. It was... Um, Pretty close to nine o'clock our time, which meant in Florida it was pretty close to eleven o'clock. But he uh, texted me and he said, "What are you preaching tomorrow?" So I began texting him back and explaining, where kind of in a very condensed form, what I what I believe the Lord wanted me to share on. And it was funny because I didn't even give him all of, I didn't unpack a bunch of stuff, and he unpacked every, everything of where I feel like we're going. You know, I, it was like super good confirmation that we're right on target without ever asking God for, hey, God, could you give me some confirmation on this? It was just one of those God moments out of the blue where someone that I respect a lot and value... Um, him as a pastor, um, it, was, it was just a nice little gift from God. And it reminds me that uh, I told him that we would pray for them. Uh, Marguerite has been really sick. And she's been uh, suffering with severe knee pain and also back pain. So could we just lift them up real quick in prayer and then we'll continue on in the word. God, I thank you for our elders, Lord, those that have served you and made a way for us youngers to uh, follow you, Lord, and and just um, invested so heavily, Lord, in us, and and sometimes at great expense to themselves, and and Lord, I just thank you for Dick and Marguerite and the um, testimony that they have, the investment they've made in your kingdom, and Lord, I would pray with my brothers and sisters here this morning, Lord, for your healing power in Marguerite's body. Lord, to completely heal her from whatever sickness has a hold on her. But Lord, also that you would um, recreate her knees and joints there. Lord, that you would recreate in her back and bring healing and wholeness in her back. We pray, Lord Jesus, that in these... Uh, what would seem twilight years lord that that you would <laughs> brighten up their days, Lord, with healing and wholeness, with a renewed vision, with refreshed strength and vigor, Lord, we ask in Jesus name, amen, amen so in uh, ephesians six twelve it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age and I've really focused on against the rulers of the darkness of this age because I, what caught my attention when I journaled on this way back in June was that darkness is the absence of light and so the rulers of the absence of light of this age that's that's who we're wrestling against that's that's who this uh, to go to quote richard many many years ago he said we are in a war And, and another way of saying it is you guys we have really serious opposition jesus said himself the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy that doesn't sound friendly to me when people say i'm gonna party with my friends in hell i'm thinking you have not read What Jesus had to say about hell. It is not a party. And you guys, it should scare the hell out of us. That is one one saying that is accurate. There's so many ways that people use hell in in a sentence. And, And you guys have heard me say this before. Hell, yeah. Terrible way to use that. Let's say yes to hell. You know, if we're gonna say anything, say hell no. Okay? Kids, I know you're thinking Pastor Kenny is cussing. I'm not cussing because I'm not using those words just to flip out there. I'm talking about things that that are aligned against us, and hell is aligned against us, but praise Jesus that his resurrection life has brought us power and authority his kingdom come his will be done because he was raised from the dead he conquered death and hell woohoo you guys ever see Robin Hood I mean the old cartoon Robin Hood yay dad When I say that he conquered death and hell, you guys should at least have a yay dad. But honestly, because your life and death are at stake, it should be just maybe, oh, you you can get ticked at me and say, you're just wanting an emotional response. No, I'm wanting you guys to acknowledge the truth. That this isn't small potatoes, so to speak. It's something that our life and death hinge on the things that I just spoke. And the enemy would love for us to wrestle against him with less than a dynamic version of our salvation. So... I was reading this week, and I, I felt like I was supposed to change it up a bit, and uh, I was reading in Luke 5, if if you guys had turned there. It's funny because I met with some of the men this week, and we talked a bit about the portion that we're going to read, um, but this is some different stuff, but guys, you probably hear maybe some of the same stuff. Um Luke 5, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing, that's the Galilee, Galilee, all right, lake, and and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So I like like to envision this. I want to help you guys envision this just a bit, if you would. Jesus is teaching, and the crowd is pushing him, and, and pretty soon Jesus is standing at the edge of the water, and he's thinking, I need to have some room so that I can see, and I can communicate better and the genius of what he does is gets in the boat peter's probably over there washing his net and sees jesus get into the boat and so jesus didn't have to try and figure out whose boat is this peter's probably like hey can i use your boat can you put out just a little ways so i can talk to everybody would you please do that for me And Peter being, you know, kind of like, all right, let's check this guy out. Peter may have already had some experience with him, but here here he is showing up on the scene, and, and Peter gets in his boat, puts out just a little ways from the land, and the genius of this is, is the acoustics would have been amazing. That Jesus could be talking at this level right now, and the sound would reverberate off the water and up the hillside. So it says, he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and and let down your nets for a catch. In other words, Jesus said, let's go fishing. The thing you got to know is, somebody's phone's ringing. That didn't happen in Jesus' day. (laughs) Jesus is saying, let's go fishing. Peter's saying, "Uh, dude, we fished all night and caught nothing. I don't know if you guys catch it or not, but there's probably a little weariness in Peter's voice. We fished all night. We caught nothing. We were skunked. (laughs) Right? But nevertheless, he says, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. So, the other boat is where? It's at the shore. Guys are washing their nets. They're thinking, okay, Peter's humoring the guy that was talking to all the people. Cool. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, bring out the other boat. You know, so they bring out the other boat. So, the, you guys, I say this because when I used to read scripture, as a younger man, and even as a child, I used to think, bring out the other boat, it was just a matter of, start the motor, and, and there they were. No, this is, get in the boat as fast as they can, start rowing out there, and then they're helping them, okay? So get this picture in your mind. It says, their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Now, when you need help, have you ever noticed that help isn't coming fast enough? I mean like when you really need help. It it seems like it takes forever. And they came and filled both the boats. They filled both the boats. These aren't dinghies, all right? These are boats. So that they began to sink. They filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees. This is a seasoned fisherman, you guys. This isn't, you know, weekend warrior. This is a fisherman. And it says that he fell down on his knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man. Now why am am I bringing that up? Because we don't need diet Christians. We need Christians who are full of an experience with their Lord and Savior so that they can go do what Jesus has called them to do. Jesus full well knew what he was doing when he got into Peter's boat to speak to the people on the shore. Do you guys understand that? He knew because he could see his father doing it already. He could see what his father was up to. And I'm sure while he's teaching, Jesus is like, man, let's get this message over with. Let's, let's, let's have the closing point so we can go. This is going to be fun, watching Fishermen deal with two sinking boats. This is going to be great. Dad, do you realize how funny this is? Do you guys realize that at the command of Jesus, there were a great number of fish ready to lay down their lives to help prove who Jesus is to Peter? Just, just noticed a few of you. I never thought of that before. Yeah, obedient fish, exactly, Chuck. Those, those fish are like they're, they're, you know, all night long. Got it. Stay away. God said, stay away from the nets tonight. I know you guys think I'm making this up, and you know, I'm just, I'm telling you guys that we read this and we don't understand. God is up to something in our lives. And we can see it when we read these stories and we realize, wow, if God was doing that for Peter. But let me me move on. Depart from from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Wouldn't you expect Jesus to say, all right. See you later, sinful man. No, that isn't what Jesus says. He says, for he and all who were with him were astonished. This wasn't just Peter, by the way. This was Peter and his brother Andrew. This was brothers James and John. They were all partners in this fishing thing. And they're all there together. And they are all responding. It's not just Peter on his knees. It's all four of them on their knees going, this is over-the-top craziness. We've never seen anything like this. Get away from us. We don't know how you did that, but we know that this is something that's a God thing and we're not worthy of it. And so, because it says, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon and said to Simon, do not, this is what I I love. (laughs) He says to Simon, to, to Peter, he says, do not be afraid. This is after he says, Depart from me, Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. I'm going to paraphrase it this way. Peter says, depart from me. I, I'm not worthy to be hanging out with you. You're freaking me out. And Jesus says, hey, you want to, want to hang out some more? We're going to have great fun. This time, we're not going to catch fish. We're going to catch men. Do you guys see that? Yeah, Peter's like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> How's this going to happen? We're going to catch men. All right. Well, obviously, he had them because it says, so when they had brought their boats to land... They forsook all and followed him. Now, again, they quit fishing. I could identify with that. The first time I went fishing uh, as a little boy, I cast out into this little pond. I, I won't even call it a lake. It was more of a pond. And it, had a ro- it, was, it was two ponds with a little dirt road between the two of them. And, and uh, it was out by a place called Gale's Creek that uh, we went fishing as a family. And uh, I remember casting out and getting this thing going on with my line. And, and they said, you have a fish. You have a fish. Reel it in. I didn't know what reel it in meant. I was a little boy. I, did, I realized I needed to get the fish to shore, so I started backing up. The problem is I was backing up on a dirt road that was bordered by another part of the pond. So I backed up as far as I could. The fish still wasn't on land. And then I think my dad came over and helped me reel it in. That's not the kind of fishing that they forsook. They forsook a family business. They forsook what had been handed down to them family after family after family. When it says they forsook this, they left what they knew and went into the unknown. They, If I can say it this way, they left one business and went into another. Later in, in Luke 5... We have the story about Matthew the tax collector, or in this particular place he's referred to as Levi, so much like Simon, Peter, Matthew, Levi are here. In verse 27 it says, "After these things he went out." And if you wonder what things, it's, it's things like Jesus cleansing a leper, Jesus forgiving and heals a paralytic. Of course, the religious people are freaking out because Jesus is forgiving a paralytic. Who are you? So when it says after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. So Levi's in there, and and most of you probably know this, but let me, you know, just address this. Levi is aligned with the Roman government he's a Jew with the name of Levi he's probably from the tribe of the Levites and so he is a in his lineage he is supposed to be a religious leader in Israel instead of a religious leader he's made an alignment with the Roman government and here's how bad it is the Israelites hated tax collectors so much that they equated them with sinners and harlots. So Jesus is just meandering by and he happens to glance in Levi's office or Matthew's office and he looks in there and he, and, and as far as we know from what the account is, looks at him, I'm going to treat you like you're Levi. Hi follow me. You know, and and from the biblical account, here's 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 the the order that it says that it says that he forsook all he got up and followed him. Now, I was reading through that. I've read through that so many times before and it's it's just like, yep, he he followed Jesus. But here's what caught my attention. He forsook all. He did that first before he got up. In my mind, you get up, you go, see ya. But what happened is, while he was sitting there, Jesus goes by, if you guys can catch this, Jesus goes by, he probably has some understanding of who Jesus is. He's heard the stories. Stuff's been around town about this guy. And Jesus goes by, looks in and says, follow me. And Jesus probably keeps moving along, and what we know is is that Levi, sitting there going, I'm done. And then goes out and follows him. I don't know if that means he finished his books. I don't know if he just like... Looked over everything on his desk and said, Something better to do. But he forsook all, got up, and followed him. So when we forsake what our past is, that's one thing, but to get up and follow Jesus is another. It's not enough to sit at the desk and say, I'm done, and continue to do the same thing you've always done. You must forsake it, get up, and move in the direction where Jesus is going. These, these are days when we are being assaulted by the forces of hell. These are days when, when I have friends that are noticing that, are we headed towards a civil war type of thing? I don't know if you guys realize it or not, but we have more and more polarization, not just in our country, but throughout the world. People that are polarized, they're they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. They don't want to hear what you have to say. We don't want to hear what they have to say. It's us and them. And the enemy is just enjoying the living daylights out of this because Christians are getting sucked into that. And what Jesus is saying, he needs people who will forsake all and get up and follow Him, not just forsake all in their mind, but continue to serve what they've always served. Christian light, or diet Christian, is going to continue to be the problem until people embrace who we are. Until we come to a place like Peter, that says, I don't know what that is, but... it." Got bad all of a sudden. Wow, that was fun. God wanted me louder during this point. (laughs) A little more echo, please. If we're going to be able to contend with the spirits of darkness, if we're going to be able to contend with the forces that are aligned against us, we're not going to do it in our own wisdom, in our own ability. We need the presence and power of Jesus Christ like never before. And the point that I made with the men on Wednesday night is this. When did Jesus get your attention. We we talked a little bit about it from the standpoint of <clears throat> one of those moments in time where Jesus gets your attention and you realize he is lord of your life. For for some of us it was an early age. For some of us, it was later in life. For some of us, it was a moment when we were faced with possibly killing ourselves. It was a moment where we can look back and say, this is where Jesus made himself real to me and I turned my life over to him. But I made the point that many times, just like the Israelites, it's not enough to have that one moment with Jesus. It's those other moments and we Several, several people recognized and, and, and shared this, that it's in the difficult times. Do you think Peter had a difficult time leaving his boat and his fishing business to follow Jesus? I would suggest to you that he did. Because you would have had the same problem. This is my source of income. This is what I've always done. This guy's asking me to follow him. Who is he? Yeah, I know he's Jesus of Nazareth, and people have been calling him all sorts of things. Religious people say he's a wacko. So sometimes when we make that initial time, for me it was six years old, but another time it came up was when I was 18 years old, and and others were able to identify things that happened to them when they were 25, when when they were 35 and, and different things that were shared, and I'm not going to reveal any of those things, guys. So don't like freak out. I'm not going to call any of you by name and say, "Hey, would you share your story right now?" I just I want to address something that if you guys go to John 21, I wasn't going to do this this morning, but I, I'm I'm going to talk about this real quick. I'm going the wrong way to find John here. Okay, Luke 5, Jesus meets the disciples, Uh, four of his disciples are called as a result of catching a crazy amount of fish. Okay, this time there are eight disciples uh, here at the the beginning of uh, John chapter 21. I'm going to read just a little bit of it. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We're going to go too. They went out and immediately got into the boat. So this tells you that when Peter forsook all, he didn't sell his boat. His boat's probably been sitting there for, for about three years. Maybe he had it leased out. I don't know, maybe he hired a crew and they were fishing while he was gone. But whatever has been happening, the boat's still there. Peter goes back to it with seven other disciples and they go fishing. And that night, they caught nothing. Boy, this sounds familiar. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. That sounds familiar. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Hey, boys! How's the fishing? Okay, I'm paraphrasing. Okay, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody. He says, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. Now, when you hear a fisherman, have you ever been on the the bank fishing? And asked another fisherman, how's the fishing? Have you caught any fish? If he's not been catching any fish all day, he's not like, nope. It's more of a, no, and thank you for bringing up that sore subject. Okay? So they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, to be sure, I want you guys to understand, he's saying... They've been fishing on the left side, the port side, and he's saying, cast your net on the starboard side. But what caught my attention in our English is the Lord saying to me, Kenny, you've been on the boat, but you've been fishing on the wrong side. Why don't you try the right side? But That's not what I wanted to get at. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, again, when I think of casting, I'm thinking casting the rod, you know, the fishing rod and casting that. So when I'm thinking of that, I'm wrong because we're talking about gathering up the net and and we would be all working together, gathering up this big net and then we would be like... moving over to the right side of the boat. I'm sorry, but you guys, it's when we read Scripture and we don't understand, this isn't one of those, all right, whatever you say. They're having to think about it and go, really? And I think what happens here is Jesus is subconsciously getting their attention. Peter goes into this automatically like, Man, this seems this seems familiar. That's three years ago. You guys were gonna try the other side of the boat. I don't know. It happened once. might work again. A guy on the shore seems to know more about fishing than we do. You know, and they try it, and it says, what's it say here? And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Do you think Peter and the and those first four disciples there that were called, were going, this is crazy familiar. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish, which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Don't you guys think maybe the bread and the fish together then spoke of another miracle? Feeding of the 5,000? So these guys are like, their heads are spinning. And the reason why I wanted to tell this, I really felt like I needed to go into this, is, is that Just like when Jesus called you at the beginning, there's going to be times in your life where Jesus gets a hold of your attention, perhaps in a way that causes you to think back to the beginning. That's going to get you to go, wow, he called me back then, and he's calling me still today. And see, I think what Jesus was doing at that moment is he was getting Peter ready. And getting the rest of the disciples ready as well, but I think really n- zeroing in on Peter. Why? Because if I went through the rest of John 21, you guys, had, some of you are very familiar with this, but it's where Jesus restores Peter. Peter denied Jesus before he was crucified how many times? Three times. And how many times does Jesus ask Peter, How do you love me? Three. Three. So there's this restoration going on here, but what I brought up to the men on Wednesday is is that God in his mercy sees where we're going astray because when Peter said let's go fishing Jesus was appearing to them but it was happening so infrequently that Peter's probably like on one of those days it's it's like a Monday for a pastor you guys know that most pastors resign from the ministry on Mondays My district supervisor years ago said, never call us on Monday. So Peter was having one of those Monday moments, and he said, let's go fishing. But he wasn't saying, let's go fishing and hang out for a while. He was saying, let's go back to making the living we used to make. And sometimes in our Christian walk, we can come to the place without even knowing it that we are going through the same motions that we used to go through. And Jesus is going to do something because He loves us so much. He's going to engage us. He's going to awaken us. And He's going to draw us back because Scripture says that He will perfect that which is still lacking in our lives. He will perfect what He started. Amen? Aren't you glad that God is so for you, Troy, that He's going to finish what He started, whether you're on board or not? He'll take you through whatever He has to to get you back on board, but He's going to get you back on board. I just love that. I love the fact that God speaks to us in the middle of our days, in the middle of what we're doing every day. And, and that's where I wanted to leave us this morning is I could do a whole nother teaching. I'm not going to, so don't get worried. But it's time for us to come back to Christ. And I don't often do this. And I was, I was struggling with it, but some of you guys need to come forward and say this is a day I'm coming back to Christ. We're having an old-fashioned altar call. You know, um, I was told recently that somebody felt like running around when we played a particular worship song, that they felt like running around the sanctuary. I said, oh, well, that's not really unusual. Some of you old-timers remember Jericho marches. But I'm not bringing up the old just for the sake of nostalgia. I'm bringing it up to say, you guys, sometimes what we need to do is return to the ancient paths so that we can continue on walking where Jesus wants us to walk. Because what we tend to do is want to do whatever's new, whatever tickles, whatever seems to be what everyone around us is doing instead of us becoming the standard of what God is called in this world. Father, I, I thank you for your word. But more than that, I thank you of the life of Jesus Christ who came to reveal who you are to us in the flesh. Lord, it just blows my mind when I say that because then I realize that you've called me, you've called us to reveal you in the flesh. And I feel like Peter that wants to say, Depart from me. I'm not a righteous man. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy. God, what I hear you saying is what I I said that I I hear Jesus saying. You want to hang out some more? Why don't you follow me and we'll we're going to have a lot of fun together. Yeah, there's going to be some really, really hard stuff ahead but man instead of Doing temporal things like feeding people with fish, you're gonna help me do eternal things like seeing the lives of men and women turned around for all eternity. Church, what would you rather do? Continue on being influenced by the principalities and powers of the absence of light? Or would you rather run to the light of Christ? and allow His light to shine out from yours in such a way that people say, I want what you got. And, and to be real, I also have to say, or to have them say, I hate you. Get away from me. Because not everybody's going to respond to the gospel in the way that we wish they would. But this morning, church, I, I don't know... I, Maybe I'm wrong, but I I just feel like the Lord would say, Would you come this morning? Would this be a moment? I remember, and I I will reveal this a lot of us couldn't remember the date when we were saved, but Jesse could because he wrote it down and he memorized it. And so that any time when the enemy says, Are you really saved? Jesse's able to say, yes, I am. It was on this date that I gave my life to Christ. And I don't know if that's anybody here, but I want to invite you to come forward this morning if you need to have another moment where it's a key moment where you engage with your Savior and say, Lord, I'm forsaking all and I'm following you. If that's you, would you come on up? Because there is salvation in no other name than Jesus Christ. no longer a slave to fear. No longer a slave to fear. I am a child. Well, God, as you know, the hearts of each and every one here this morning. God, I'm so thankful that you know us that well and you still love us. (laughs) Oh, man. God, I'm so glad that your Son came and encountered each one of us in a way that we could relate to. And that, Lord, today we would, would simply say, Yes, Lord. Yes to what you want to do. Yes to what you want to accomplish, yes to seeking your will first in everything Lord in everything Lord bringing every every aspect of our lives to you because every aspect of our lives belong to you as our Lord and Savior be glorified in your church (laughs) And the whole earth is filled with His glory. Lord, because Your church is seeking Your will and doing it. Amen. Amen.